We are moving forward in experiencing God. Are you enjoying your experiencing God study you've been doing? Awesome. If you're visiting, we are, we're doing something that, that I've never done before. I've gone, there's a, there's a workbook by a guy named Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. And I have gone through that every year, taking groups through it every year for probably 20 years, and really felt directed to the Lord this year to do it for the whole church. So over a hundred of our adults are going through Experiencing God. And what's really cool is it puts us all on the same page. You know, moving together through something. It's a five-day-a-week um, study that we do, and then I kind of take something from that and preach about it on Sunday. If you're not going through the book, the message isn't tied to it, so that meaning if you didn't do the book, you, you don't get anything out of church. But, um, but it's just been, it's just really cool as we're going through it. We're a little over halfway through the book. And so uh, it's, it's really, uh, hopefully, it's just kind of really shaping us. And as we've been moving through experiencing God, I hope you've been noticing something. It's a thing I want to talk about today. You've been noticing Henry Blackaby's emphasis on the body of Christ. Matter of fact, one lesson you did recently had a little picture on the right-hand column of the body parts all disassembled and then reassembled, and that, that body of Christ, the, the local church, the, the body of Christ, meaning the local church. Those things are really synonymous with each other. That the, the body of Christ is the is the local church, and that that as we've been going through this, we're seeing the scriptures' um, emphasis on the body of Christ, on the local church. And, and I'm sure you, you know that the local church is important because if you didn't, you would be, I don't know, fishing or shopping. Are stores open this early on a Sunday morning? Walmart's always open, right? You'd be doing something else this morning. So I know you understand the importance of the local church, but I want to... I wanna, really focus on this idea today of the body of Christ or the local church um, because next to the institution of marriage, which is the foundation of the family, next to the institution of marriage, the local church is the most important institution on the planet. I don't know if we get that sometimes, especially in our kind of American culture, which is very individualistic, and we'll talk about that in a little while. We often don't really get God's view of the importance of being part of a local church. Um, but God has it next to the institution of the establishment of the family, the establishment of the local church um, are, the, are the, the components that God has put together to be the bedrock of any culture. And so these, it's, it's incredibly important that together we bring, we bring wholeness and, and completeness, and it's the foundation God builds. As a matter of fact, there's a, a pastor who says that God's plan to change the world is the local church, and I believe that to be true. Jesus said, I'll build my church and and the kingdom or the gates of hell will not prevail against it he didn't say i'll build you know colleges or whatever he said i'll build the local church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it so today i want to talk about this the idea of the body of christ or the local church i want to talk about think about this local church um you know i was as i was thinking about this i thought you know what i have a note written on my desk it says this it says i love portview i have a note that's on my desk that's right there and i try and i read it every day because uh, sometimes we, we forget about things. And so as we go through this, I hope you love Portview. You love this local church. God is doing incredibly good things here. And so we want to talk about the local church. To get started, I want to clarify something to you that maybe if we talk about this, this is going to make sense to you and say, oh, okay, now I, I get something. And the clarification is this, that, that a local church, so Portview or whatever church, a local church is a body of Christ, that Jesus is the head, that he, in other words, he's the leader, and those who make up the church family 
are what he calls the body. That's the picture he paints. He's trying to got Jesus and, and through scripture, God is trying to paint, trying to explain things to us. So he paints word pictures so that we can kind of visualize it and see it. And that's the word picture he uses to, to talk about a local church. That he's the head of the church, the leader of the church, and that the rest of us comprised together make up the body. And that that's God's plan for us joining together, to being a body. It's God's plan that every believer become part of a local church. It was never God's plan for individuals to fun- to come to know him and then to function separate from a local church body. Um, that's something I kind of hear today from people. And, and, and because there's been a rise lately, maybe the last 10 years, in the theology of the kingdom of God, which is great, um, there's been a real rise in that, in that kind of thinking of a, the, the power and the importance of the kingdom. So I hear people say stuff like this, well, I'm part of the kingdom, and I kind of go wherever God leads me. I want to tell you something, based on scripture, that's not God's plan. That God's plan, yes, yes, um, it's true that all believers worldwide are united in the kingdom of God under the rule of King Jesus. That's very true. But it's God's plan that every believer find their place in a body, in a local church. You know, no finger is designed to function without the hand. And that's kind of what happens when you don't understand that every person is designed to be part of of a local church. So just saying, I'm part of the kingdom, and then it's kind of flitting around from place to place. Oh, I like this over here, and that over there, and that over there, which is kind of a new thought that I see happening in the last 10, 15 years, is not the theology of Scripture. That's consumerism. That's not, that's not biblical. And so we're, God designed us to be part of a local church. And that's what the Apostle Paul was addressing when he wrote the text that we're going to look at today in just a moment. When he was writing the text that we're going to look at, he was dealing with some problems in the Corinthian church. They were having some, some issues, and, and he stopped in the middle of his instructions about their problem, and he inserts a teaching about how the body of Christ or the local church should function. And he did it for a reason, because he knew he couldn't keep dealing with the problem that they were having and expect them to go forward until they understood how God had put them together as a body, to work together, to help each other, to even discipline each other, to accomplish goals together. And so he said, well, I've got to deal with this before I can keep teaching you and correcting you in your issues. He wanted them to understand the importance of, of the body so they could move forward. And friend, that's what I am hoping for us today. You know, one thing is cool is we are going on a great trajectory forward as a church. God is doing amazing, wonderful things. And I want us to keep moving forward. When I think if the Apostle Paul would be here today, he'd say, let me take a little break from what we're talking about and let me insert this in here for you. Henry Blackaby's done it. He's kind of saying, let me insert this in here for you so that as we embrace God's plan for this local church or whatever local church, if you're visiting whatever local church you're part of, that we will move forward into God's plan for us. And that's what you want, right? So grab your Bibles. And I want you to do something with me I don't think I've ever had you do. Grab your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and stand with me. The reason I'm going to have you stand as we read this, I mean, a lot of times people do that, but I just felt when I was, when I was actually looking, writing sermon out and writing my notes, I thought, I want us to get the fact that we're talking about is God's word. I just want to put an emphasis today that this is what God has to say, you know, and we're going to kind of almost stand in a sense of, of God, whatever you have, that's what, we want to, that's what we want to become, that's what we want to do, but this idea that that um, this isn't Mark's opinion, this isn't the church's view, this is God's word. 
that we're talking about today. Because God might want to do some re- rethinking in your mind. So we kind of stand. Let's say, God, you speak to us today. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 14, and we're going to read all the way to verse 27. And 27, and I'll start at verse 14. It says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, and on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, and so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it, If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Let's have a seat. God's word. Now I know, and the reason I want to have you stand, is I know this is a really familiar section of scripture. A lot of you have read it, maybe you've read it dozens or a hundred times in your life. And here's what I know happens when we read a familiar section of scripture our tendency is to say, well, I know all that already. Well, guess what? We never know all that already. You know, I don't know all that already. You don't know all that already. Um, God's word wants to speak to us today. And this is what I want to do. I want to challenge you to open up your heart and your mind to what the Holy Spirit would want to say to us through his word today. Because I believe he wants to both do two things to us as the body today. He wants to encourage us. He wants to say, this is the benefit of being part of the body. But I think he wants to do something also. I think he wants to challenge us today. I think he wants us to say, he wants us as we look in his word, because that's what he was doing to the Corinthian church. He's encouraging them, saying, oh, all these wonderful things. See, what happened in their situation is they had some people who were being elevated above everybody else, and they were called kind of, they were super Christians because they operated in these spiritual gifts. And he's saying, no, 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 we're all important, you know. And so he was encouraging them, first of all, everybody, saying, you're all important. But then he challenged them, and I think that's what he wants to do, and saying, saying, but you know what? You can get better. Get better in the sense of we can become what God wants us to become so that we can move forward. That make sense? We can go further than we are, because I don't know about you, I'm really happy with where we're at, but I know there's incredibly more wonderful days ahead for this church and for whatever church you might be part of if you're visiting. And so he's going to encourage us and challenge us today. So first of all, let's talk about some of the things from this text that are incredibly encouraging. Matter of fact, we're going to look at three things that are encouraging and only one that's a challenge. And so the first thing I notice is this from the text, and it, it, it's, this should make you feel good today, is that each of us is different by design. Now, the reason I started with that is, especially in a culture like ours, um, 
this should make all of us, and maybe some more than others, help you to become more comfortable in your skin. You know what I mean by that? More comfortable in your skin? Happy with who you are? You know, we live in a culture where unless you fit some kind of an a image that's portrayed by the media, a lot of times you don't like who you are. And one of the ways we know that's true is looking at suicide. That a whole bunch of people, especially teenagers, they just what they, they, they can't stand living anymore. And the reason they can't stand living anymore is they don't fit a certain image of what culture said they should look like, act like, you know, dress like. And because of that, they don't fit in. A lot of times they're bullied because of that. And they're teased because of that. And they say there's no way out, there's no hope, they're not mature enough to think through that. And so they end their lives. But a lot of people live in depression. Probably one of the number one problems in America is depression. One of the main things that doctors deal with in prescribing medicines is medication, especially to women in America, is antidepressant medication. There's a reason for that. It's because we're not comfortable in our skin. And we think, I'm not, God doesn't love me the way I am. But what I see here is that each of us is different by design. We're different on purpose. He says, some of you are hands, and some are feet, and some are eyes, and some are ears. And friends, just like God made all of our bodies diverse, our ear looks different than the hand, with our bodies have diverse parts to do different things. Likewise, he has made all of us different by design on purpose. He did it on purpose. You're not supposed to be like anyone else. God made unique. God made you special. Now, sometimes Suzanne tells me, Mark, you're really special. You know, you'd be like, wow, <laughs> I think maybe you need to be medicated. But, but, uh, but you know, when we kind of use that, we say, you're special. But no, you are special. God made you unique on purpose. Friends, you're not an accident. Sometimes you think you are, and you think biologically you are. You're not an accident. There's no accidents in this world under the grace of God. God made you the way he made you on purpose because he loves you that way. You know what? For some of you, God loves your red hair. I don't know if any of you have red hair in here. I don't even know why that came to me. But I thought of that. I, wrote, I actually wrote it down. I said, for some of you, because some of you need to understand God made you on purpose the way to, And some of you don't even know what color your hair is. But um, <laughs> God loves your red hair. And for somebody else, God loves your nose. You know, he made your nose the way your nose is supposed to look. Or whatever else you're, you're, you tend to have a hang up about. You know, look at verse 18. It basically, you know, verse 18 says, but now God has placed the members, each one of them, not some of them, each one of them in the body just as he desired. God made the parts on purpose. Each one of them. That's what he says, each one of them, not most of them, not some of them, not only the ones that look exactly like the world says they ought to look or be or think just like the world says. God made all the parts on purpose and he doesn't make any mistakes. And he says, what the text here says, and he has placed those people that he's made exactly the way he wants. He placed you right where he wants you to be in his body. He's a plan for you, and he loves who you are, and he wants you to love who you are. As a matter of fact, you'll never be effective for God until you love who you are. And I'm not saying in a narcissistic kind of way. I'm saying that you just say, God, I'm comfortable in my skin. You know what, I'm okay with the way I am. As a matter of fact, you made me this way, so I love the way I am in, a, in, in that sense. God arranges the members in his church body according to his will, it says. He brought you here 
to Portview, if you're part of our church body, on purpose to complete this body, to make it whole. That's why he made you unique. You know, now, a lot of us are like the ear described in verse 16. Verse 16, look, it says, And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body. A lot of us, a lot of times, are like that. I'm not part of the body because I'm only an ear and I'm not an eye. So a lot of people think like, I'm, I'm only that. Oh, you know, Suzanne, I didn't realize that Suzanne played the keyboard. A lot of you probably didn't even know that. You know, because usually Pastor Mitch plays the keyboard and he's gone and Suzanne stands up here and leads and singing. You go, oh, if only I could play the keyboard. And we think that way. We look at certain people and we go, oh, I wish I had their giftedness. But you can do a lot of things that somebody else can't do. And we walk around a lot of times and we say, I'm only an ear, I'm only an eye. And we look at ourselves and don't like what we see. And often we compare ourselves to others and wish to be like someone else. And we say, I'm only an, and you fill in the blank. I'm only this. Well, there are no onlys in the family of God. God doesn't look at one person in the body and say, well, you know what, Mark, you're only that. He doesn't look like at us like that. Friends, don't wish to be someone or something else. God's made you on purpose because you can do something that no one else on this planet can do as well as you. Because you were created unique and different from anybody else. And he wanted to use you to complete a body, to make wholeness, and you can do something as you uniquely fit in there, into the body, in a way that no one else on this planet can do as good as you. That's a reason to be comfortable in your skin. You know, can you see why God has made all of us unique? Because we fit together and together. An ear, we fit, you know, needs to fit where it belongs. And if it doesn't look like an ear, it can't be an ear. That's why, friends, get this, that's why there is no one perfect type of person. We kind of do that. That's what advertising does. It holds somebody up as the perfect image. There is no perfect type of person. There's no perfect body shape. There's no perfect gift mix. There's no perfect um, abilities. There is no one perfect type of person. I think that's why God selected such a, such a diverse group of people in Scripture to follow him. All the way from kings to, to shepherd boys to carpenter's sons. You know, fishermen. I like the fact that he picks fishermen. Um, there's something very spiritual about being a fisherman. Um, but he, he picked them completely different, men and women. He picked diverse people because there's not, he's trying to say something. He said, there's not one perfect type of person. You know, because if we were all the same, the body, friends, would be limited and it would be ineffective if we, all, if we thought there was a perfect type of person. Verse 17 says, says suppose the whole body were an eye, then how would you hear? Or if the whole body were just one big ear, how could you smell anything? He's making a point. He said, if we were all gifted the same, we really couldn't accomplish anything. You know, we only need one preacher this morning. That's all we need. If we have, you know, we have a couple hundred people here. If we had a couple thousand, we still would only need one person being the preacher. But we need lots of servers and teachers and tech people and singers and musicians and encouragers and prayers and on and on and on and on. Ears, fingers, toes, knees, elbows. We need all of those parts. We are all different by design so that we can so that, that we can use all of our differences together to make wholeness and accomplish God's purposes. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm belaboring the point, but I really think this is important because I see the results of it. 
in our society of people just not being happy with who God made them to be. Now, that's the first encouragement. Let's look at the second encouragement. And, and these are all kind of relate, related, but the second thing that I see incredibly encouraging from our text is this, is that all of us different people are united by the Spirit of God. We're united by one Spirit. The picture that the Apostle Paul paints here is one of diversity in unity. People being different on purpose, united. You see, we have many members who are very different in our church family. Now, we live in a community where we all kind of look pretty close to the same. You know, there's other ethnic areas where, other communities where ethnicities are more diverse. We don't have that. Matter of fact, our census says we're 99% white. That's who we are. Most of us, I asked one time how many are German, and like three quarters of your hands went up. You had German in your lineage. And if I would have said another thing, how many of you then are Scandinavian, the other half would have went up, or the other one third, and we would have said that's pretty much who we are, But because that's, that's who we are at this, at this area. But even in our body, we have all whole kinds of differences. We do have different nationalities. I love the fact that we, we translate. We're translating right now into Spanish. And there's people in here right now with earphones on, and they're listening to this message in Spanish today. I love that. We're, we're, we're different. We have different likes, different looks, different styles, different abilities, different political views. I love the fact that we can have people from different sides of the aisle politically coming together and worshiping in church together. And in spite of all these differences, we are united by the Spirit of God. And friends, that's God's plan. He desires unity, not uniformity. You're supposed to be different than other people. The mistake historically churches have made forever is try to make everybody be like, be the same. So you've got to look the same, dress the same, have your hair cut the same, you know, listen to the same music, be all the same. God's saying, that's not what I want. You're diverse. You're supposed to be different. You're different on purpose and united by the Spirit. We are supposed to be very different types of people brought together by the Spirit of God into a local body. And one of the mistakes the church world has made forever is what we do is we as birds of a feather flock together so we have this group who's all alike over here and then this group who's different than that group and they're all alike over here and then this group who's got some different, they're all alike together over here. And what happens is that may be easier but it removes the blessing of the world seeing diverse people actually united together um, by the Spirit of God. Because the world can't get along unless, they're, unless they have unity. In a sense of they all look the same, act the same, they're the same, same color skin, whatever. We want to do what Scripture says and have people who are really diverse functioning together. You know why that is? Because they'll know we are His disciples by our what? Love one for another. That's why I put you, our, what's our motto? We're people who care. People who care. We don't care what color your skin is. We don't care how what you look like. We don't care your socioeconomic position, status. We don't care your political view. We care that God loves you and we love you and we want to be united together. We, are, we desire unity, not uniformity. We are supposed to be very different types of people brought together by the Spirit of God. Paul says in verse 13, look what he says. He says, but you have all been baptized into Christ's body by one Spirit. And we have all received the same Spirit. Church, by the work of the Holy Spirit... We've been forgiven. That's how we come to know Christ. And we have been brought together into Christ's body. Once you were dead spiritually, every person's born that way, spiritually dead, separated from God. And now as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been regenerated, given spiritual life, made alive in Jesus Christ spiritually. And that's the thing that unifies us. That becomes the most important thing in our life. That's why Jesus can never be an add-on in your life. That's why when Jesus is simply an add-on, it doesn't work. He needs to be the core of your life. He's everything to you. Then it doesn't matter what anybody looks like, thinks like, 
what language they speak, you're united by the Spirit of God. That's what unites us. We are brought together into Christ's body by the Holy Spirit's activity. We have this common thread that ties us all together. We are God's family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And this unity transcends any distinctions and differences that might exist among us. This is a united place. This is a, that's why this is a safe place, because it's united in Christ. That's pretty encouraging, isn't it? You don't have to try to be somebody you're not. Now, that doesn't mean when you're living sinfully, you, you say, well, I just live it the way that I stay the way I am. No, 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 we're becoming conformed to the image of Christ. But it doesn't mean that everything, you'll end up all looking like me and dressing like me. Please don't do that. You know, it'll be really boring. You know, I'm like we're in all black today almost. You know, so that's not the goal. So it's encouraging. We're united. Be different on purpose and God unites us together. Now one more thing from the text that's really encouraging. And it's this. And it's kind of tied to the first one, but it's separate enough that I wanted to point it out as distinct. And it's this. Looking at what Paul says, it says that we are all important to the body. Um, look at verses 19 to 21. And I'll show you this. We'll spend just a minute on it, but just a little distinction here. Verse 19. If we were all one member, where would the body be? But now we are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And that's the verse I want to key in on there. There is no member of this body that can say to another member, I have no need of you. Think about that. There's no member that can look at another member that God has brought in here and say, I or we have no need of you. Friends, there are no little people in the body of Christ, meaning unimportant people. Every child of God is created special and has a unique role to fill within this body. If, they're part, if this is the church body God has made you part of, or whatever church body a person may be part of. And friends, when anyone does not fulfill their role, then the body suffers. It's incomplete. Verse 27 says, Each one of you is a separate and, look at it, necessary part of the body. You can't say to any person, say you're unnecessary. Every one of you is a separate and necessary part of the body. Each one of you is a necessary part of this body. You are needed. And friends, understand, that gives you purpose in life. One of the, th- one of the things you need to have to, to enjoy your life. Tom Clegg, a, a great author, says three things you need to enjoy your life. Um, that you need a purpose. You need transcendence, a relationship with God, and good relations with other people. But the, he says, you know, in addition to a relationship with God and with people, you need a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And just going to work isn't it. Anybody figure that out yet? I'm turning 50 in a few months. Just earning money and doing a job. Anybody think that gets old after a little while, you know? We've got to do it, right? But the reason for being, the purpose that you fulfill is to be part of God's body, functioning in uniqueness. Some of you have gifts and talents that, you've, that either you have not discovered yet or you've, you've suppressed. And because you've suppressed them, you've not experienced the joy of functioning. So your whole life is just about about filling it with recreation or filling it with work. 
Here's what I know about recreation. It loses its joy after a while. Joy comes from functioning, discovering your gifts, and, and functioning according to your giftedness. I was thinking about this, and I didn't ask her, and I usually ask in advance, so forgive me, it's not bad. Um, I remember for years, the first church we planted, Suzanne would not lead worship. Suzanne was her whole life a wallflower, afraid, petrified about standing in front of people. And I led worship for years. You guys go, that is not good. (laughs) Not my giftedness. Uh, They taught me in Bible school, you know, how to... Jump over to stanza or whatever the thing is called. Your hand goes up over to stanza somehow. And back in the day, you used to do this a lot. And keep them on beat. Now I keep you on beat this way, you know. And Josh says he hates it because you probably liked it today, Josh. You couldn't see me behind you. Because he's like, you're never on beat. I'm like, well, then everybody's off beat because my wingspan gets you all going. Um, but I would say this. Suzanne resisted it for years. And one day, literally at a women's conference, God spoke to her. And said to do it, and she came home, and I'd been asking her for years before we even planted the first church. And she came home and said, God told me to do it, and I'm doing it Sunday. I'm like, wow. She goes, because if I don't do it Sunday, I'll never do it. You know? And, and, she, and she did it, and she finds incredible fulfillment in functioning in that gift. But she, for a long time, said, no, no, no I'm afraid. No, I, I'm uncomfortable. Well, guess what? Generally, comfort, your, your giftings have nothing to do with your comfort level. People say this all the time, well, well I'm, I, I'm not comfortable with that. That word, Pastor, you know, I don't think I should do that. I, I'm a dyslexic who's afraid to read in front of people instead of, and that's what, who God made a preacher. He loves to take things that you say, I can't do. He goes, okay, you're right. You can't, Suzanne, but I'll help you. I'll work through you. It doesn't mean you don't use effort. But he takes you and he says, there's the giftings. Not your natural abilities. He does use your natural abilities, but here's your giftings. And I want to use those to bring completeness to the body. You find fulfillment when you, when you find that. You, you get, have purpose in life beyond a paycheck when you discover who God made you to be and you function according to that giftedness. Now that's a lot of encouragement, isn't it? We just say amen and go home. Each of us is different by design. We're united by the Spirit and we're all important. That was worth the price of admission today. But there's usually a but in there somewhere, right? But, because there was a but here for, for Paul to the Corinthian church. I also see a challenge in this text. And I, I have something to help me make the challenge. You've been wondering the big purple thing. Some of you know what it is. I used this one time before. And I, I used it before when I talked about the same, the same topic, but I used it in a little different way. So, now what, here's my question for you. What do you, what do you see? see a person, you see an almost complete body. It's got some, it's got some parts missing and it's almost complete. Um, there's a couple hundred pieces on there. And each one is different on purpose. No, no piece shapes are the same if you looked up close at it. And we used it that way at one time in the past to show that everybody was, that all the shapes were different and the difference together made a wholeness. And that's part of what we're saying today. But we see an almost complete body with hands lifted in worship. Because really, I'm trying to think, what would the body of Christ look like? He's using a word picture. What would the body of Christ really look like if you look at the body? I'm sure it wouldn't be walking around like this. It would be bringing praise and glory to God, an almost complete body. But the other part we see is that there's pieces missing. Um, There's an assumption in the text that we read today. 
And it doesn't even say it because it's so assumed that no one would ever have thought that it wasn't the case. The assumption made in our text is, is where our challenge comes from, and it's this assumption today that, that the individual parts of the body would be connected to the body and would contribute according to the unique design. It's simply assumed and expected. That the Apostle Paul, when he wrote the text, he expected the ear to be on the head. Right? He's expected it would be that way. And the fingers would be on the hand. He just made that assumption that everybody understood that because it's a picture of the body. And the assumption is that every Christian would connect to a local church. Because he said that's the body. He's talking to the Corinthian church. That every Christian would connect to a local church and contribute to the church's function according to their own uniqueness. He just assumes that. For their own good and for the good of the body, the wholeness and the completion of the body. In fact, the New Testament, in New Testament Christianity, it knows nothing about individualism that we know in our culture. Nothing about it. Nothing about this idea of Lone Ranger Christianity that says, I just, I just do whatever I want on my own and I don't need to be part of the body. The scriptures are written just with the assumption that, that, that because it was very the Jewish foundation, that it's all part of their culture, community. So the New Testament knows nothing about this idea of Lone Ranger Christianity, of this individualism that says, I'll do whatever I want, so I just go here when I want and I go there when I want. That I'm not really part of a body. It knows nothing about it. That Christianity in the context of Scripture is written about people living in community. That, that you, if you take community out of it, you, don't get under, you can't understand what New Testament Christianity is about. It's about community. It's about being part of a body that God places you in. And that's the thing from the text that the Apostle Paul is stressing. He says, God puts you in the body where he wills. We don't have the choice to just say, well, I don't like that music style, so I'm just going to leave. We don't have that choice. We don't have the choice of saying, oh, I don't really like the youth pastor. Now, I'm saying these things because I've never heard these things here. I don't like the youth pastor, so I'm going to leave. We don't have that choice. God places us in the body. Now, does that mean everybody stays in the same place forever? No, people move around. We understand that. God rearranges things to bring wholeness to the body. So sometimes I really believe he'll say, this body needs that. He'll move somebody into that body to bring completeness. I honestly believe that. So it doesn't mean we stay stuck in one place forever. It doesn't mean people never move for a new job. But the idea is, it's assumed that we'd all be part of the body. The New Testament knows nothing about this individualism that says, I will choose. The point is that he will choose where we function in the body. It's about being part of a body that God places you in, it's about being part of a local church. It's an expectation that each believer will become a part of a local church body and they will uniquely fit into that body. Remember, the parts are all different shaped. I can't, I could try it. I could try to take this, what's that, a, a hip bone? The hip bone's connected to the leg bone. And I could try to put it over here but it doesn't fit. I could try to, well, I could try to put it here maybe and it almost fits. No, where does it fit? It fits there. God puts the body together. He designed you on purpose by, remember, the, the blessing we had? He made you unique, be comfortable in your skin. Well, he did that on purpose so you'd fit and bring wholeness to a body. And the reason I wanted to use this visual aid, the reason I kept it for, I think, I think probably used it a couple years ago, 
I kept it in storage because I figured it would be another time I'd want to make a similar point. I wanted to use it to illustrate that we have some holes in our body. This guy's missing you know, right above his knee. What's that? This nurse. What's this bone right here? Is that a femur? A femur. Boy, missing part of his femur. That would hurt. You know? Um, whenever a person does not really get connected to the body or when a person fulfills, just kind of sits in a chair, they go, well, that's my church, and they come a couple times a month and they sit in a chair um, on Sunday morning or whenever. But they're not allowing their uniqueness, to sh- their shape to complete the body, meaning operating, using their God-giftedness to help bring wholeness to the body. It might just be as a, you're a great encourager and the way God uses you as you encourage all, you know, 50 people on a Sunday morning. But you're not using that. What happens? It hurts the function of the body. The leg can't run without a knee. It can't function without a femur. This guy can't run very far. So much of the body is complete, but he can't, he can't thrive when the body parts aren't functioning right. You know, and God made some to be a knee, and without that part plugged in, the leg can only limp along. And then we know this from Scripture, that if one part of the body, it affects the whole body. Right? So the whole body can be hindered by a toe that God placed on purpose to be there, not functioning according to its giftedness. Just saying, I just want to fill a pew. You know, think of it this way. The body, and I left it out on purpose here. The body without a heart, uh, that's not a good thing, right? You took my heart out of my chest right now. That would not probably be a very good thing, would it? Right? Right. Body without, body without a heart's in trouble, but think of it this way, this way also. A body with a heart that does not beat is in trouble. What do we call that? Dead. We call it something else that the incident happens as a what? A heart attack. You have a heart. It's in the body. It's sitting there, but it stops beating. Eventually, it ends up dead. It brings death to a body. But it can sit there for a little while and still be there, and it's not functioning the body's still there, still warm, but the heart's not beating, and it's going to die eventually. It's not going it, 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 it's to. Got, it's got problems. See, just being in a church, but not functioning in the body, is like having a heart in your chest, but the heart's not beating. It's causing. It's, it's greatly limiting what God can do. My hope is this. That as we move forward, and like I say, God's doing great things, but as we keep moving forward, is that each and every one of us would find how God has designed us and we would fit into this church body and plug in according to God's design. That we would find where we fit and we'd use our giftness for God because when we do that, there's incredible blessings for us as we move forward in that direction. Part of it is, when you find where you fit in the body, um, the body's blessed, you know, it gets a heart. So the whole body's blessed, so God can use us more fully to transform our community. But some, somebody else is blessed. You're blessed. You find your fullness and wholeness when you function according to your giftedness. And I would say this, you will not find it the way God designs for you to find it by being a pew warmer. You won't. You can enjoy it. Oh man, I like that sermon today. 
But God has something. That doesn't mean it's a Sunday morning something. It's, it's, it's being part of a small group, maybe leading a small group. It's, it's, it's serving in the nursery. It's helping on a, right now, a whole bunch of people are gone with our kids in Chicago. It's saying, you know, I'm going to take time and go with the kids in Chicago. Whatever it is. A, a thousand, as many different functions as there, are, as there are people. But you ask God, God, where do you want me to fit? Now here's something the church has tried to do historically. It's tried to manufacture that. We try to say, and we're going to do all this stuff to help you discover your gifts and find where you fit. And I've got to tell you, I've not seen it work very well. I believe this. I believe God can help you figure it out. And we as a team, God puts leadership in a church. And we can together work and figure out what God, where, where you fit. And we can help you thrive according to your giftedness. God has incredible blessings for us in the body. Incredible blessings. He wants you to thrive. He wants Portview to thrive. And I really believe we're getting to a place where we're starting to jog. Maybe at one point we were kind of crawling and then we started kind of stood up and we were kind of limping and, and then we were kind of moving forward. And I think we're getting to a place that the parts are coming together and we're starting to jog. God wants us to sprint, right? He wants us to be runners. That happens not by one pastor rah-rahing people into something. It happens by God flowing through us as individuals, putting us together and helping us to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. Part of your gifting, you know some of your gifting is? Your gifting is to be the friendliest neighbor on the planet who invests your life into people. Matter of fact, a bunch of you, this is your gifting, who invests, you invest into your neighbors or your coworkers or your friends or your family and your whole function of the body is just to bring people with you to church so they can come to know Jesus. Really? That's some of your, that's some of your, uh, your function. God made you that way. You're like a hand. You're grabbing people and bringing them in. God wants to help you thrive. I want to see that. Now there's one more thing that we need to say about this before we conclude. It's this. Verse 18 said that it is God who places people in his body. Some of you might be here today. And you know what? You've never even come into the body yet. You're out here somewhere. We'll pick on a different part. Is that a rib? (laughs) You're out here somewhere in a sense that you haven't even come to know Jesus yet. Here's what the scripture says. You're coming to know Christ, becoming a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, isn't your choice. You have to respond to it, but he's the one who calls you by name. For some of you, he might be calling you by name. He might be saying, you're hearing for the first time, I need Jesus in my life. You hear that call, you invite him to come into your life. You say, Jesus, come be part of my life. Jesus, come and, and uh, make me brand new, wash away my past, all my junk, and from this day forward, I want to live with you. If you do that, that's the gateway. The gateway to all the goodness that God has for you in your life. And his plan is to bless his children. Amen? Let's stand together. Would you join me in praying this morning? Father, Thank you so much that you have a plan. That you made us different by design on purpose to bless us and to be a force that you can use to run the race. The race of seeing people brought into the kingdom and people developed and discipled for you and, and, and commissioned into service. Lord, I pray for every person in this room today. 
I pray, God, for anyone who does not know you as Savior and Lord, that any person in that situation today would right now hear your voice. And in the, the depths of their heart right now, they would say, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. And Lord, for all the rest of us, I pray, God, that you would help us see where we fit in the local church. That every one of us, according to this scriptural teaching, is a part in the body. And that, God, we would not have superstars and small people. But we'd all recognize that all of us are vital and important. And that as we function in our giftings, Lord, that you would be glorified, our church would be energized, and the community would be transformed. So, Lord, I pray now in Jesus' name for every person in this place. Bless them as they walk with you this week. Help them, God, to recognize your voice. We've been hearing and experiencing God. Hear your voice and be directed by you into the function in the body. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the joy of being together this morning. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, church. Have a wonderful day. If you need prayer this morning, please come forward. Myself and our pastors will pray for you. Otherwise, have a wonderful day in Jesus. God bless you. Go enjoy the goodness of God. God bless you.